When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the John Favreau is My Daddy podcast with Jessica Garcia and Monica Montoya. Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. How are you? You know, I'm okay. Oh, just okay? I'm fine. As well as one can be. I threw up a lot this morning, um, but I'm here. Oh, no. (laughs) I got food poisoning from home restaurant in Hillhurst in Los Feliz, California. Uh, (laughs) Well, okay. Wait, wait. Explain to me how, like, explain to me what you ordered, why you ordered it, and how this happened. Sure, sure, sure. So we were there for my uh, good friend, our good friend, Jeremy's birthday dinner. And I go to that restaurant all the time. I order takeout from them all the time yeah it's home we've been there it's home because their food is so good yeah and um, their, their cocktails are pretty good too they're so good yeah and they have this entree it's like it's like a short rib and like roasted kale and mashed potato situation short rib as opposed to a long rib as opposed to a long ah. rib <laughs> <laughs> and it's i think it's the best entree on the menu and so i okay. usually get that I didn't want to get that initially. I was trying to get their roasted chicken, but then the the waiter was just like, I'm sorry, we just ran out. Oh. So I was forced to order this, which oh. makes me believe he poisoned me. He did. He absolutely <laughs> did. But I was not the only one at the table who ordered that. Um, and then it was, it tasted great. It was fine. We had a good night. I went home. I went to bed at like one and I woke up at five out of a very, I was having a really, really vivid, scary dream. Whoa. <laughs> like, like mad cow disease or something? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> My dream, it was a lot of things, but like the thing I remember most and the th- part that I woke up at, I was trapped in a museum and there was like a mass shooter in the I- museum. <laughs> Whoa! First of all, that did not take the the turn that I thought it would. I thought it would be a la Night at the Museum. No, no, no! This was like real. Like this like could terror? happen. That's awful. And so we were like trying to escape the museum, and then I woke up and I was like really hot and like I had the chills and my stomach was in absolute wretches. Ew, why are you here right now? <laughs> because I rallied. <laughs> and then uh I threw up an hour later and then I felt fine. <laughs> oh God. So your body just had to like expel the the short Yeah, rib. I mean you know this. You have you have tummy problems. I do have tummy problems. But like when you when you just re- you really need to throw up and you're like, I know that once I do it I'll feel fine. But my body like wouldn't let me for a whole hour. It fucking sucked. Yeah, no, I always just make my, like, I just force it. I'm like, I, just, just do it. I've never once been able to do that. Just do it. I like, wi- I literally just will myself to throw up because I, I can't, I, don't think I, can. I can't stand feeling nauseous. Yeah. So I will just go for, I'll just, yeah. I mean, I tried really hard. It didn't happen, but that's probably why I now have pop blood vessels no, around like, my eyes. Yak, yak. I was taking a bath. Like, 
I will just fucking force myself to do it. See, that's you. Mm, I am so concerned that you got blood vessels, though, because that means that like you fucking heave. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. Oh, it was bad. No. <laughs> that's so funny. It was aggressive. I recently ordered some new probiotics. Yeah. They're technically symbiotics because Good. they're both pro and pre. Are they from seed? They are from seed. I used to take seed. They're just too fucking expensive. I'm I so had to excited. Stop. I'm so excited to start them. They, I, they were like sold out of them. So mm-hmm. I like pre-ordered them. So it's like taking a while for them to come. Yeah. Um, but I'm so excited to take them and like be incredibly regular. Very sure. excited. Yeah. They were good when I took them. Oh, so. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I should go back on them. Maybe I wouldn't have gotten food poisoning. That's maybe you wouldn't works, have. But. Maybe, maybe seed is the answer and seed you just is the didn't answer. let them help you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not mad at home. I just, you're, you're mad, at, mad home. at home. You're mad at home. Yeah. It's but okay. I, I will go back again someday and just not get the short rib. Yeah. This is not like the college situation where I threw up after eating my favorite, uh, taco from happy taco. Oh. I cannot go back to happy taco after that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I just, w- I would go back to the restaurant, but then never order the dish again. But that makes me sad because it's so good. Yeah. But if they can't cook it properly, then I mean, I don't know. I didn't I didn't ask the other girl who was with us who ordered it if she also got food poisoning. Is she a friend of yours? She is the new girlfriend of a friend of ours. Oh, so you weren't tight enough to be like, yo, Mm-mm. did this give you the runs? Yeah, yo, girl. <laughs> yo, girl, you yakking? You yakking and hacking? Fucking disgusting. Uh, <laughs> so that's enough poop talk for this morning. <laughs> I mean, I was just talking about vomiting. So <laughs> you're the one who brought it around to that. Yeah, I brought it around back, baby. Oh my God. <laughs> Our daddy today deserves better than this. It's true. She is truly a queen and probably never talk about poop. She's probably never thrown up in her life. Never. Not once. <laughs> not She's a too much time. of a goddess to do this. Tell us about who it is, Monica. I will. Today's daddy is Salma Hayek. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Salma Hayek is a Mexican and American film actress and producer. Her father, Sammy Hayek Dominguez, is a Lebanese Mexican with his ancestors hailing from the city of Baghdad, Lebanon. Her mother is an opera singer and a talent scout. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what expectations to live up to, Emirate? <laughs> Emirate? At age 12, Selma wrote and mailed a letter behind her parents' back and blackmailed them in order to attend the <laughs> Academy of the Sacred Heart in none other than Grand Couture, Louisiana. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I'll fucking tell all of your secrets unless you let me go to Louisiana, mom and dad. <laughs> I'll never speak to you again if you don't let me go to Louisiana. I mean, in reality, she was just like, I'll fail all of my classes. Yeah, she was like, she, let if, me go. she was like, if you don't let me go, I will fail every class I have. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no. And they were like, you idiot. This is not how they, they're French all of a sudden. You idiot. <laughs> this is not how this works. This is not how this works. You dumb bitch. <laughs> Salma. Salma, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm dead. I'm literally dead. Anyway, so she went to this fancy ass boarding school in Louisiana, which, by the way, uh-huh. my take on boarding schools, not my fave type of education. I sure. want to be able to do whatever the fuck I want when I get home. She began her career in Mexico, starring in the telenovela Teresa. In 1991, 
Hayek moved to Hollywood. Hayek moved to Hollywood. Hayek Hollywood. Hayek Hollywood time. <laughs> to pursue a film career and to study acting under Stella Adler. And she came to prominence with roles in films such as Desperado, From Dusk Till Dawn, Wild Wild West, and Dogma. Hayek has been married to French businessman Francois-Henri Pellano. It's just Pino. Pino. <laughs> Since 2009 and is a real life daddy to one daughter. One daughter. One daughter to call my own. Uh-huh. <laughs> one daughter to feed macaroni to. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's what Salma sings to her daughter. Yeah. <laughs> my macaroni queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love Salma. I'm excited. She is the best. I want to dive into her because she is just so multifaceted and so she can do anything. Yeah. This bitch is hilarious too. I know. And she's just so fucking funny. Yeah. If you guys have the chance, listen to her episode on armchair expert. (laughs) It's fucking great. She's hilarious. She's like balls to the wall. Crazy. I love, I love her. She's the best. So the first movie we're talking about is Desperado. Came out in 1995, written and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yes, the same man who made Spy Kids. You know that. Yes, indeed. (laughs) El Mariachi, played by Antonio Banderas, plunges headfirst into the dark border underworld when he follows a trail of blood to the last of the infamous Mexican drug lords for an action-packed, bullet-riddled showdown. With the help of his best friend, played by Steve Buscemi... And Carolina, played by Salma Hayek, a beautiful bookstore owner. El Mariachi tracks down the drug lords, takes on his army of desperados, and leaves a trail of blood of his own. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> Desperado is a fucking wild film. This is crazy. If you know anything about Robert Rodriguez and like his signature style, the way that he makes films, yeah. this is literally like you're getting whiplash yes. with how much is going on. Yeah. And he does not hold back. He does not hold back on like the quick zooms. He does not hold back on the Dutch angles. He doesn't mm-hmm. hold back on like the fucking dramatics of it all. Uh-huh. He wants wants to serve it to you on a silver platter with a little flag on it he really 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 does really does this movie i mean i know i just read you a synopsis but i genuinely couldn't really tell you what the plot is i also really couldn't tell you what the plot is either and Um, i think that's the point yeah (laughs) (laughs) what we know is that antonio banderas uh is mad because his girlfriend was murdered and so now he's like taking revenge on Bucho. Yes. Uh, El Bucho. Si, who is a drug lord. Yes. Um, in Mexico. And this stuff in between is kind of vague. And then you also find out that Bucho is his brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which was a nice little twist at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. So because the plot is like ridiculous, most of what we're talking about is like the effect, I think. Um, and yeah. also Salma being really hot super super <laughs> super hot yes. so when you first see Salma I you know closing my eyes and remembering this movie 
you see her like sort of like walking down the street mm-hmm. in her like mm-hmm. beautiful sundress. It's like hugging her body in all the right places. Yes. She's got her little purse. Her hair's all wild out and about shaking behind yes. her. We're in slow-mo. This is slow-mo. We're at the 38 minute mark. Salma Hayek walks up, causes a car accident. Because Literally. Because she's so beautiful. Because she's so hot, so beautiful. And then she and El Mariachi are just walking towards each other down and the sidewalk. Lock in slow-mo. And, and he's about to save her life. And she goes, oh, soft smile. And he goes, oh, you're about to die. <laughs> Let me save you. <laughs> and then just starts firing bullets over her shoulder. Yeah. Which, where he gets his guns, I don't know. Like, he has a lot. No, they're in, they're in his guitar case. They're in his guitar case, but they're also like in his sleeves. Yeah. They're in his pants. Uh-huh. They're in his shoes. Yeah. Like they're everywhere. He's got a lot of guns. Man's- I just kept wearing like, where are all the bullets? You must be running out. Like, yeah. Like, where are you getting all these bullets, Mariachi? Tell fair, us. I have I have realized this through the years as I watch movies featuring guns, of which yeah. there are many. I have no concept of how many bullets are in a gun. I also have no <laughs> except for like, you know, the one that has like like eight or six. Yeah. The like revolver where yeah. they like open it up and they show you and they're like, you have one bullet left. Exactly. Blank, blank, and the blank blank is like, oh, I I only have one. But I think I'm only thinking of Rango. <laughs> yeah, but like like a like a handgun? Yeah. I don't know. I don't how know. Many fucking bullets. I don't know. That. And I think what the thing that goes in the gun is called a magazine. Is that right? Am I, I think crazy? So. The thing that has all the Aaron, bullets. Do you in know? It? Yeah, do but you're you know? a man. Yeah, you're a boy. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is gender I don't, stereotypes have not served us today. Not today. Other days, yes. <laughs> not today. Um, I was just gonna say, I don't I also don't know how many bullets go in a gun. I don't know like what everything is called or anything like that. Yeah. What I do know is in this movie, you have to suspend your disbelief because this man just has too many guns. Yeah. And there are a lot of times where you're like, surely you would have been shot multiple yes, times multiple by times. now, but somehow you haven't been, but somehow you are impervious to pain and also <laughs> bullets. <laughs> and of course, Sama is serving it as his like hot, sidekick yeah and what's crazy is um something that i've noticed about salma is she is able to when she memorizes lines her Mm -hmm. accent is actually less prominent than when she's just speaking like a normal human being yeah and i wonder if that's just because she's like memorized it so much that she's like adopting a new voice or something but maybe it's it's pretty it's pretty nifty to see that actually and to and to know that like the real her actually has an like a much thicker accent yeah even still i mean she's lived in america for a long fucking time mm-hmm. and her accent is super thick her and her accent is still super thick and super swanky mm-hmm. and delicious i know i, love, I just I her speaking vo- voice is so low and like raspy i yes. love it so much i love her she's uh, she's great she's and just I, so great i love the thing is is like in this movie it's not like it's not like she's giving like the performance of a lifetime no <laughs> because that's not what this role is no 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 <laughs> but she's doing exactly what it calls for while remaining interesting, which I think is the good part. Like I fucking love like a hot, but smart, but like, I don't give a fuck like bombshell mm-hmm. woman. She like, she rips that bullet. Oh my God. Yeah. She's doing like surgery on him in her bookstore. Yeah. She rips a bill, uh, rips a bullet out of his arm and then lights a cigarette and then burns him with it. It's just such an iconic scene when they're in the bookstore together 
and he has just been shot like yeah. trying to save this bitch and so she drags him into her fucking bookstore op- cracks open a book uh-huh. lights a cigarette and is like all right i'm gonna go to work yep. i'm gonna get this fucking i'm gonna get this fucker's bullet out of his goddamn yeah. arm or wherever it was and like it's just so interesting to watch her work because as the audience you're seeing her sort of like looking back at the book and then like looking at like what's in front of her and then looking back at the book and like there's almost this like carefree nature to Mm -hmm. her where everything that she does is with like almost like a flourish but not not in an inauthentic way yeah like in a very genuine and like every day like ah i it's almost like she romanticizes her life a Mm -hmm. little bit and the fact that i got all of that just from this moment just proves to me how deeply rich Selma's like acting palette is. She's yeah. just so good. She made the most out of like what could have really been like a nothing role. Yeah, honestly, it, it literally could have just been a pair of tits. Like that's really all this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could have been the the movie itself is not about the story. It's a vehicle for the things that Robert Rodriguez loves. Like, yes, love guns, uh, action, violence, gore. Mexico. Exactly. <laughs> And the character of Catalina is very similarly a vehicle for just like the sexy part of the story. But she looks, first of all, she looks amazing doing it. And she's also like really genuine and really captivating for reasons beyond her appearance. She's like, she's very smooth and like weirdly maternal Yeah, in a lot of ways. Like I felt very comfortable with her Mm -hmm. despite the fact, despite her overwhelming beauty. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and sometimes. that's not to say I'm like unsettled by hot women, but like she's really fucking hot. Her tits are like fully out in this movie. And yet I'm like, mm, mother. Yes, <laughs> it's true. You know, there's a scene where she's like making love to uh-huh. Antonio Banderas. And it's the scene where like it's all of those like interchanging cuts of yeah. like them making passionate love. And it's so funny to see her be so in it. Yeah. And have the moment be kind of sweet in the middle of everything, which I find to be kind of like, like jarring a little bit that it was so sweet to me. And a lot of it had to do with Salma's performance Mm -hmm. and the way in which she crafted this character pretty much from the ground up. There's not a lot to work with there with her lines. No, like her time, you know, no, no shade to, no shade to Robbie, but like, you know, Bobby Rodriguez, her her dialogue is not anything life changing. She's not saying anything profound. You know, the words coming out of her mouth don't say much, but her actions and her eyes are incredibly expressive Yes, and are able to give the character a little bit, like you said, of that maternal nature, the warmth, yeah. The caring, the like carefree nature, like kind of being this like intent, like being an, an incredibly intense woman, mm-hmm. but also understanding her role in being a caregiver and a caretaker and like a lover of books. You know, I love that she is a bookstore owner and like, she's like Belle in Beauty and the Yeah. And, and but, well, what's really, really funny is she inherited it from her parents, but you yeah. can see that there's like love for knowledge there, mm-hmm. right? There's like love for sharing and the love for like taking care of someone. Yeah. She didn't just like take him to a hospital because she, she knew what that would mean. She, perhaps she, he would have been arrested or something would have happened to him. She instead cracked open a fucking book and like did the job herself. And yeah. I think that, that lends to a character that is so incredibly independent and self-aware yes but also understanding that like when you need help you need help and she doesn't she couldn't do it blindly she needed a book to 
tell her what to do much like her character in the rest of the movie needing help in other ways as well yes no i i completely agree um <laughs> i read this to you before before we started but i really <laughs> yeah. want to read this quote <laughs> please give him the quote girl <laughs> so roger ebert uh reviewed this movie as he does yes it. every movie every movie may um, he rest in peace <laughs> papa ebert oh, we love him <laughs> but he said she's just what a boy's looking for in a movie like this sexy quickly seduced and able to jump off roofs shoot people and toss her hair passionately <laughs> women like this only exist in the movies and believe me it's just as well <laughs> and, you know i agree but i also agree. she's also a an absolute delight to watch and she manages to fill this like normally boring ass fucking trope and while also seeming like warm and kind and yeah. smart and interesting i mean i think of someone like amber heard and i think <laughs> about the way in which she offers like supporting roles yeah. and like is that badass woman in some in like for example like aquaman she's trash in that movie <laughs> <laughs> and not because she's not a good actor but because in order to be a good like female character in this kind of environment and yeah. and use okay Yes, it is an incredibly like misogynistic and like masculine thing <laughs> to put a woman in a movie whose only role in that movie is to be like the sex icon. Yeah. However, the way in which you go about that and the way in which you are able to interact with the rest of the characters in your scene mm -hmm. is only shows your capabilities as an actor yeah right and i think with you know no shade to amber heard but like in in some ways like it can be such a boring fucking role like it can be such a boring character such a boring performance yeah because oftentimes the actor doesn't know what to give because they're like well there's nothing here so like what can i give and what i love that someone does is she goes well there's nothing here let me see what I can give yeah. and let me offer like nuance and depth and like uh, a warmth and like a different kind of flavor to a role that would have otherwise been very bland yeah. and very one note. And I just fucking love it. And I mean, I'm a huge, huge Robert Rodriguez fan. Same. And usually a lot of his characters have that depth but you know he's a man <laughs> this is also one of his first it was movies. also yeah and it's also one of his first movies and he's a man and you know there's a lot of machismo in in mexican culture in general so it's like really easy to to as a director as a writer as a filmmaker to like let these stereotypes take over your film but having selma hayek be in this role she took it upon herself to make it interesting and yeah. i really fucking appreciate that i agree total agree total agreement <laughs> monica why don't you tell us about our next salma movie probably the most the, the easiest one to pick out of all these yeah I, yes <laughs> so gather around friends let oh, me tell okay. you about the title called frida frida it came out in the ripe year of 2002. Ah, oh, God bless. Jays. Written by Anna Thomas, Gregory Nava, Diane Lake, and Clancy Seagal. Based on the biography by Hayden Herrera. Directed by Julie Taymor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Frida chronicles the life of Frida Kahlo, played by Salma Hayek, shared unflinchingly and openly with Diego Rivera, played by Alvaro Molina, a.k.a. Fred, <laughs> as the young couple took the art world by storm. From her complex and enduring relationship with her mentor and husband, to her illicit and controversial affair with Leon Trotsky, played by Jeffrey Rush, yes. to her provocative and romantic entanglements, <laughs> entanglements. <laughs> with women, Frida Kahlo lived a bold and uncompromising life as a political, artistic, and sexual revolutionary. Yes. Love. Love. Love this movie. I know this movie had a lot of like mixed reviews. Yeah. Mixed audience takeaways from this movie. Is it long? Yes. <laughs> is it wacky? Yes. Yes, because it's Julie Taymor. <laughs> but is it a rich film? I would say so. I would say yes. There's a lot going on, and it's really beautifully shot, and it's it's got like a lot of beautiful imagery in it. Um, yeah. And I I'm a big I'm a huge I mean I'm a huge Julie Taymor fan because of yes, her stage same. work as well. So you know seeing her do this um, is just. It, to me, is like this is a magnificent film. Like I love this movie. Like I saw this movie when I was a wee one, and um, it stuck with me since then. And I see it like at least like once every like three months. Really? <laughs> I really do. I don't know why. This was my first time seeing it. Um, I love Julie Taymor though as well, and um, I liked this movie a lot. I have a lot. I have a lot of feelings. Nothing bad about the movie, but I have complex feelings about like how like the acting and the dialogue and different portrayals. So yeah, we'll get into it. But I think on, on like a general level, I yeah, love a superficial. Analysis. I love Julie Taymor for like her theatrics and oh, how yeah. she handles magical realism and how she like really embraces and accentuates the bizarre. And for this movie specifically, it worked really well because it reflects how this film is ultimately about art. And it's like, it's like another accompanying art piece in the work of Frida Kahlo. Obviously Frida Kahlo was not alive when this movie was made, but you know what I mean? Like it just kind of fits in to that so well, rather than being like this big Hollywood portrayal of someone who I don't think would have liked that very much. Yeah. And like, honestly, at the end of the day, there are so many, so, so many media portrayals of Frida Kahlo. Yeah. There are so many, there are so many books, so many articles, so many, you know, deep dives. Like there's mm. a ton of stuff out there to say that this is like the best one out of all of them is a far cry. Like, I don't know that I would say like, this is like, Oh, watch this. If you want to know about Frida Kahlo's life. Like, I, I don't know that I would say that. Yeah. I also don't know that this is like the most authentic story they could have possibly told. Yeah. But what it did I think with like specifically magical realism, mm -hmm. how it brought that element that is, by the way, so important in specifically Mexican art and yes. Mexican storytelling and mm -hmm. Mexican um, uh, like books. Like there's so much magical realism happening in a lot of like Mexican literature and art. And for me, I really appreciated that someone like Julie Taymor, who is a true visionary and mm -hmm. knows how to handle magical realism, took it upon herself to be able to create a story 
and a narrative and like imagery in the film that really resonated with that and brought magical realism to the forefront of the movie. Like it was his own, it was its own character. Yes. And I really, really appreciated it. It appreciated that. Yeah. Same. I, I think it served the story really, really well. Like I said, just, just because like it's a testament to, to the art that the story is about. Um, I think as a result, to me at least, it kind of made some of the dialogue feel a little bit like forced Mm -hmm. and a little convenient. And that's not because the acting is bad. Like the acting is incredibly honest, Mm -hmm. but it's honest because I don't feel like there's a lot of opportunity for nuance in this because it's more about the spectacle. I think it's really hard to have like a tremendous amount of depth when the filmmaking and the production is like, that's what's providing the depth. Yes. So to me, that kind of, that kind of reflects like Frida's place within her own art. And like, she wasn't just a woman or an artist. Like she was her art. Her art was her, like they, they were one and the same. And I think that that's kind of what this reflects for me. So I don't really mind that there's not like a ton of depth in much of the dialogue because I'm like, it, it almost like, I don't know. It like unites the character and and the film in a weird way. No, I completely understand what you're saying. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that the film wanted the imagery to speak for itself. Like if you took all of the dialogue and sound out of this film, I think it alone would have said a lot of very powerful things. Yeah. I think you'd pretty much know Um, what was going on, you know, (laughs) and, and visually it, it showed the audience so much of Frida Kahlo's life in its tragedy and in its triumph triumphs. So like, for example, there's the, there's the shot that like, I can't ever get out of my head, which is Salma Hayek in bed as Frida Kahlo, um, drawing you know she's in the hospital she had just she just had a miscarriage her baby like basically came out in pieces is what like the famous quote is Mm -hmm. and her she asked to see her baby and like they put the baby's remains in a jar yeah you know and she's staring at it and drawing and like that is a very there's no nothing is being said yeah it's just such a powerful powerful image and i think this is why I give this movie a pass because I completely 100% agree with everything that you're saying. Yeah. I give this movie a pass because the visual the visuals speak on their own. And mm-hmm. sometimes I wish that there was no dialogue yeah. because it is just so powerful in its visual like storytelling that I just almost don't feel like it needs that much yeah. else. But again, that's what makes the dialogue feel so forced, which I hate. And it's just like one of my biggest qualms with this movie is some of the dialogue feels so like, I don't want to say like cheesy, but like, like just not it natural. Feels convenient. It just feels like yeah. not like supernatural. Yeah. Um, and I, I, but again, like I almost give it a pass because the visuals are just so fucking stunning yeah. and heartbreaking and triumphant and, and, and fabulous, honestly fabulous. Um, yeah. So and, yeah. And I think I mind a lot less, especially because it's not like, it's not like these visuals are happening without the actors. Mm-hmm. Like they're very much in there. They're like yeah. active participants yeah, yeah, yeah. within all of this crazy shit that's happening usually. And so, and obviously like they're acting through it. They're not just fucking standing there. (laughs) So, so they like, they are putting in the work. I think, (laughs) I think if this was just not a Julie Tamar movie that was about Frida Kahlo that like, also had bad dialogue but didn't have the visuals then it i would be would like have been a trash then movie. i would have been like this is a terrible movie and these actors <laughs> fucking suck but they were like very much a part of this creative yes. vision and so i 
it, like I said, I also give it a pass for that. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it is not without its faults for sure. And like I said, I wish this was a more authentically made story. I wish yeah. there were more Mexican-American artists working on this movie. I would almost like, I don't know. I just, I have a lot of, I have a lot of personal thoughts about like how the movie was made and like sure. the the ways in which it could have been more genuine, more authentic. And again, like our issue with the dialogue. But above all of that, I think in the messiness, Salma Hayek's performance specifically shines through brilliantly. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, this is one of my favorite roles that she has ever done. Mm -hmm. And it's because she's so brutally honest in this. Yes. She's so brutally honest. She is, she feels so much pain and we can see through the, through the screen, but it is not pain, feeling pain in a way that is boring or in Mm -mm. a way that is, that is, Oh, there she goes crying again. Like it's really not that she feels it in so many different degrees. Mm -hmm. And that translates so well through the screen that it feels brand new every single time something shitty happens to her, which a lot of her life fucking sucked. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, and she's never self-pitying. No. Which, even though, like, we know through historical accounts that, like, Frida also wasn't. Like, she was a very vibrant and alive person who didn't pity herself, at least not yeah. openly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it could have been very easy to play the role that way because a lot of really bad shit happened. Yeah. But like you said, it's like she takes these terrible things and these traumas and it just, like it's like it feeds her yeah and that's what's keeping her alive because i think at the end of the day frida kahlo slash salma hayek they're not viewing like her life as as like traumatic they're viewing it as just moments that make you feel alive right and trauma makes you feel alive in unfortunate ways but it does in highly unfortunate ways but the thing is she sort of just uses that in her art to like propel her forward and to continue living yeah right so it's like a lot of the times she could have true i I mean i would have just fucking given up (laughs) but i mean after that the first accident when she's 18 years old and has a fuck she's like impaled She's impaled by <laughs> by a like handrail and it like yeah. it like went in through her abdomen and like out of her vagina. Like yeah. it was a whole thing. And Ugh. it was the biggest reason why she was she had so many health problems mm-hmm. in the future, why her back was fucked up, why her hip was fucked like everything was fucked up yep. because of that accident. And she couldn't have children basically. Yeah. Every time she tried, she'd miscarry. So a lot of her like ailments in the future stem all the way back to that accident yeah and from that accident and i think in a lot of ways like through her art and like through salma hayek's performance we as the audience sort of get to see her like deal with that throughout the years because this movie takes place over a pretty long period of time yeah i mean like since her she whole was, life yeah basically her whole life and since she was very very small mm-hmm. and like running into fucking diego rivera's like art installations and like calling yeah. him basically fat like <laughs> she she truly fat shamed him oh, the whole time <laughs> the whole time <laughs> she she really said i don't like fat people <laughs> she like, really did but then she was like but i also am in love with you yeah you. so it's like girl make up your mind <laughs> do not fat I mean, shame in this house honestly that's how a lot of people are in real life that's the, true girl. the people who scream the loudest <laughs> also tend to be the people who love you <laughs> behind closed doors that's all i'll say about that <laughs> yeah so you know we see in Salma Hayek's performance we see this like vibrancy in her youth that yeah. is like it's energetic and it's like 
fucking unapologetic uh-huh. and she's like young and she's like having sex with her boyfriend in a Diego closet. Luna. Yeah, with a very young and shaven. Who was like 20 years younger than her. Young and shaven Diego Luna. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, he's, he's like a tiny baby So boy. smooth and mm-hmm. soft and small. January looks like La Luna. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, you know, we see her like her joy and her like ener- you know, her energy as a, a kid basically. Mm-hmm. Cause this bitch is young. And so we see her like running around and like, she's smiling. And the way that, that Salma Hayek sort of approaches this character is like never forgetting that Frida Kahlo always had this, like this, this emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. to her. So she's able to articulate herself in ways that most people can't. Yeah. Right. But also not forgetting that this bitch is a kid. Like she's Mm -hmm. a child. So she's not going to straight off the bat, like come off, come into this character being like, I am the great Frida Kahlo. Like she's not going to do that. She came from it from, from the perspective of, uh, of a child and was like, let me ball up all of the energy that I can possibly muster for this film into one sequence where I'm a child Mm -hmm. and then slowly deteriorate from there. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it a lot. I think something that she brings to this role is like a very like quiet strength. And I think that's really notable specifically because like, like Latinas and Hispanic women are portrayed stereotypically as like very fiery. And that's not to say that she doesn't have moments like that, but she brings like a very quiet fascination and strength and inspiration that you don't see a lot of times in these stereotypical like Hispanic roles and that's why I love her portrayal so much because she like I don't know she just like dials it down especially during events that are fucking horrible (laughs) we're like yeah she should be blowing up and I mean she like I said she has moments like when fucking Diego fucks her sister (laughs) oh my god Uh, I mean like honestly Oh my fucking God. Like that scene I think is, is where we really see Selma Hayek, like in visceral pain, not from any physical ailment, but from heartbreak, from, from, from tragedy, from, from betrayal. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the person she was almost closest with in the world, her sister, who she was literally out like mm-hmm. with her sister's kids, like mm-hmm. taking them out, like having a good time at, at the carnival, at the fair. And she comes home and like the one thing that she thought was stable in her life, like her relationship with her sister and the fact that she knew her sister would never touch her husband, mm-hmm. even though her husband would touch anyone in this fucking yep. world, <laughs> it was broken. And so I think a lot of that spirit from then on in the movie is kind of gone. Yeah. Right. Like, even as she sort of like warms back up to him or warms back up to her, like it doesn't matter like what happens from there on out. A piece of her is gone. And you see that in Salma Hayek's acting. Yes. You see that, you see that little tiny shift, that teeny weeny little chip in like the rock that we didn't see before that I think is so profound and so powerful in so many different ways. And I, that is the, that is the Salma Hayek that I love and respect. Mm -hmm. And, think is just so brilliant like i w- i truly wish she was in more stuff but she's like busy being married to like a handsome frenchman and being <laughs> a mom you know they're just in france too yeah. much she's having too much fun in paris yeah truly <laughs> but yeah i i that that part specifically is so upsetting for all the reasons you said and also because like 
it's it's like she has become okay with knowing that her life is really fucked right but she's like but at least i have this <laughs> at least i have this one thing yeah my relationship with my sister slash my relationship with diego which even though it has its terrible aspects of it it's still like he's always there and he he's someone who like knows her better than anybody else but now even that's really fucked so like you said she like it chips away at her and also she's i think she's also realizing like i am attracted in life to sadness like sadness is my life in a weird way yeah and that's really fucking sad and then she just like plummets into depression yeah it's so sad that it is so sad yeah (laughs) yeah i i have nothing but incredible things to say about salma hayek's performance in this movie i think that this movie has a lot of faults but Mm -hmm. it also has a lot of triumphs in its visual storytelling in its honestly in its pacing because this is a fucking long ass movie i think it's so much longer than it needs to be agreed but i think that it the pacing is okay for like what for what it is and like the amount of story it needs to fit in Mm -hmm. um and i think that it does a good job of giving you some of the different facets of her life that weren't all good right like she she didn't have a lot of (laughs) she didn't have a lot of great qualities beyond being a good a, a, a fabulous artist or mm-hmm. being a loving person. But other than that, like she was stubborn. She was very headstrong. She was mean. Mm-hmm. Her politics were questionable. <laughs> like, Communism. Uh, you know, and, and, <laughs> and the way that she went about living her life was also like very free spirited and also had consequences. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times people like Selma Hayek could go like the easy route and like, play a very like one note version or like the version of of this character this human being that we all think about like mm-hmm. that we all think we know yeah and kind of play into that stereotype but she didn't and i really appreciate that i agree with you what a bad bitch what a bad bitch selma Selma, you a bad bitch girl <laughs> Now we're going to do an uh, an absolute 180. <laughs> Completely. Which, by the way, if you haven't tracked thus far, these are very different yeah, films. She, she's done a lot of very different work. <laughs> so different. <laughs> this is a movie that neither of us had ever heard of. Never. Not once. Um, but it's a more recent one that got, like, critical acclaim, but the audience hated it. And also, like, I don't think anyone saw it. No, I had never heard of this movie, but I'm really glad we watched yeah, it. I'd never heard of this movie, and I was around in 2017. Yeah, yeah, very much around. <laughs> we were uh, we were all around and, and present, like, like, like <laughs> present in our lives. We would have known if yeah. this was happening. Yeah, especially because, like, big people are in this movie. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, okay. we'll tell you about it. Please. This is Beatrice at Dinner. Came out in 2017, written by Mike White, who, yes, he did write School of Rock. You're correct. Yeah. Man, RIP to that kid from School of Rock. I know. That was really sad. That was honestly tragic. I literally shed a tear when I yeah, read that. I was yeah. like, oh my God. I know. For those of you who don't know, the kid who played Freddie, the drummer, uh, very sadly passed recently. Um, rest in peace. Yeah. Boo. Pour one out for you, boo. Yeah. Um, and this is also directed by Miguel Arteta. Beatrice, played by Salma Hayek, a holistic medicine practitioner, is stranded at a wealthy client's house after her car breaks down. She's invited to be a guest at their dinner party, which includes a construction tycoon, Doug Strutt, played by John Lithgow, (laughs) 
<laughs> As the awkward dinner progresses, her strongly held empathetic views on the world uncomfortably challenge the guest's relationship with their own life choices. Right off the bat, I love John Lithgow. Same. He is a revolution. Yeah. We watched this movie together. Yes. <laughs> we watched it during pizza night. Yeah. If you don't know, if you don't remember, Friday is pizza night. Friday, it's <laughs> Friday night. I'm thinking that we just might eat pizza. Run away. <laughs> but yeah, so the whole through the whole movie, Monica and I kept looking at each other being like, John Lithgow's the fucking worst. Yeah. But he's so good at he's being the worst. So good at being so biased. Yes. So in good. like but in an interesting way. Yeah. It's, not in like a, not in like a one note, like, oh, you were evil yeah. kind of way. I think it's really hard to be hateable and also want people to keep watching you. Yeah. Cause he, he plays this character, Doug, who is so unbelievably crass and mm. terrible and like very stereotypical, like billionaire doesn't give a shit about the environment, yeah. doesn't give a shit about other people, only wants to make money but he's somehow also very charismatic yeah, and very hilarious mm-hmm. and very entertaining. So it's like you're as the audience, you are so conflicted mm-hmm. in should I hate him? Is he the worst? Is he just a product of his environment? Is he just a product of capitalism? What is going on here? Well, especially like, because like some of his viewpoints, I mean, I don't agree with them, but I do think that they hold water, yeah. you know, like, like his whole thing about like, we're not going to be fucking alive. So like, why does it matter? I don't have that viewpoint, but I can absolutely understand why someone, especially someone with that much money, right. would have that viewpoint. Right, right, right. And then on the flip side, you have no idea why he would like hunt a rhinoceros. Exactly. Like you go, bro, that is, you know, you are lending to an endangered, honestly, I don't even know if the rhino is endangered. I'm assuming it is. I'm they assuming are, Did every- you hear white rhinos just went extinct? Like literally in the past week. So they're an endangered <laughs> species, the rhino. Yes, the, rhin- the rhinoceros. Uh, and it fucking blows that in this movie they sort of talk about him wanting to hunt rhinoceros and in the past having hunted rhinoceros and he like shows people pictures and Mm -hmm. he's like they're all like wow like oh my god and his wife is like embarrassed for him Mm -hmm. she's like oh this bitch like (laughs) hunting rhinoceros she's so good in this i know she's so fucking good in this she's like ignore him <laughs> fucking little bitch ass hoe like his wife is played by uh amy landecker i think is her yeah, name she's so good from in transparent this. she's yeah. uh she's fucking hilarious um and anyway so he he brings forth this confusion that you feel as the audience member because you're like i'm so I'm so confuzzled right uh-huh. now. Should I be liking this guy? Should I not be liking this guy? He, I mean, he's bad, but like, he's so good at being bad. So like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And I fucking hate him. Cause he's rude as fuck. He's so rude, but then he's funny and you're mm-hmm. so confused. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So you can imagine how, uh, Beatrice, uh, AKA Selma Hayek is viewing through this whole thing. Yeah. So Beatrice's role in this whole movie is she's fucking stranded at this house. So I'm going to be really like specific about these plot points. Cause I'm assuming you haven't watched this movie. Yeah. Cause we hadn't watched this fucking movie. Yeah. So Beatrice is this like holistic practitioner. She's like a massage therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and like long story short, she goes to this white rich woman's house in Huntington beach, which 
question mark if it was actually shot in Huntington it was Beach. Malibu. We'll see. <laughs> um, uh, in Huntington Beach, and she lives in Altadena. For those of you who don't know, Altadena is nowhere near Huntington Beach. Very far. Hours away. Mm. Two hours. An hour and a half away. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're stranded there, you're stranded there. You, there's no bus to take you back, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. So she drives her like bucket of a car to massage this woman whose daughter she had helped, whose daughter had cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, Beatriz had helped her out by like giving her like holistic therapy, blah, 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 yeah, on and, and on. Healed her. Her bucket of a car breaks down on her way out of the house, mm-hmm. you know, and on top of all of this, a man killed her goat. Yes, her and she really loves her goats, and she adores her goats. She's mm-hmm. like she's like a very loving like granola human being. Yes, like very like of the earth. Like animals have spirits, etc., cetera, etc. Yeah, cetera. all yeah. of that, all of that. Um, and so she gets stranded, feeling like shit. Like she's already sad because of her goat. She's sad because she went to a house of a of a girl that she used to love and like used to you know give all of this therapy to and is now gone off to college. And she's mm-hmm. sad about that. And she's sad about life. She's sad about the environment. She's sad. Sad boy hours. Mm-hmm. Simping. And so her car breaks down and she's sort of like trapped in this house. And it gives me very like get out vibes. Yeah. And keep in mind, <laughs> this isn't just like, these aren't just like, like just normal rich people. No, these They're are like, like really rich, rich people. Like rich, Like rich. this is like an estate. It's not just like a big house. No. <laughs> and like the people that she, and the, the other people coming to the dinner uh-huh. are also richy rich. Yep. Like billionaire status yeah working for a billionaire colleagues of her husband right exactly um and so essentially what happens is beatriz is in like an uncomfortable position because she has to like stay there Mm -hmm. but she they're also having this fancy dinner the husband is like oh god beatriz at dinner what the fuck and (laughs) and the wife is like oh my god like come to dinner it's not a connie britain yes (laughs) and she's so good um come to dinner it's like not a big deal it's fine beatriz like don't worry about it and Beatrice is like, okay, like I'll stay at dinner. It's fine. And so she stays at dinner and hilarity ensues. Yeah. Chaos ensues. Yeah. Insanity ensues. So that's sort of the rundown. You're at this dinner. It's like, it's pretty much one location. It's just the house. They're all at dinner. And now we talk about Selma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this character is really interesting because when you first meet her you're like oh she's just like she's very soulful she's very sensitive she's an empath because of the work that she does etc and salma in turn like has incredibly soulful eyes oh like they do a lot of close-ups of just her face and and they are (laughs) they are heartbreaking and invigorating at the same time yeah all of these like really tight shots of just her face and i was saying this to jessica as we were watching it they gave her like baby bangs yeah like baby baby bangs sad girl baby bangs and uh i was here for it i was like love the baby bangs give them to me more um and she just has these like rich and deep eyes like really deep set eyes that say a lot and i think that's why the director chose to do all of those fucking close-ups because selma hayek's face tells everything yeah she's very dialed into this like deep-seated anger and sadness and grief that you can tell that she has about something you know it's at least in part about the goat Mm -hmm. but you don't really know what the rest is but you can tell she's got like she's got shit inside um and and she shows it everyone has shit all over (laughs) (laughs) but then so but then it kind of she she seems a bit like wackier as you go on wacky because I, I don't know about you, Monica, but if I was in the position, I would kind of like 
like start performing in a way almost like because I would adjust to the people who I have been thrust into hanging out with especially if they're people really different from me who I don't like she however stays exactly the same so (laughs) I'm so happy that you brought this up okay this is something that I personally struggle with on a daily basis Mm -hmm. is I I do not know how to exist as multiple people like I really don't and it's a big problem and it's also, it's also, it's, I mean, it's great because I don't have. You have a consistent personality. I have a, I have a very, <laughs> I have a highly consistent personality. You're a Capricorn. Like, I am I the it. same to everyone. I'm the same to everyone as I am like to myself as like, I, like I'm pretty much the same. Uh-huh. I think like the nuance of the relationship obviously like changes. Like, sure. you know, when I'm with Aaron, I'm a certain way. Like you have like sillier sides and yeah. things like that, but right. But the, the sides of me come out with all different people mm-hmm. in all different ways, but it's not like I am okay. I am going to be a very specific way now because I'm these with these people and I must adapt. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, I really related to be a thesis character, sort of like taking it all in and like not really being able to like, adjust yeah like i know in the past i have been to various like dinner parties or parties in general where i've known no one mm-hmm. and i'm truly silent the entire time because i have nothing to say yeah because i cannot just simply change myself which aaron can do that so well and like i admire people who are able to do that like man i wish i could do that on so many different levels but i eat <laughs> like the gene the bone the skill does not exist in my body. And so I find myself listening a lot Mm -hmm. when it comes to these kinds of things. And so like seeing Selma Hayek sort of take that in and do that herself is very like oddly, like like the, I just remember being like on the couch with you and like the hairs on the back of my head kind of, or on the back of my neck, like stood up a little bit because I was like, fuck is that me? Like what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, because she's just like standing there and you would think like, oh, she might try and like, laugh or like make a funny (laughs) comment to like kind of get people to go like oh there's another person here maybe we should include her in the conversation but she doesn't she just stands there and stares at them and like and observes them and it's not she doesn't feel awkward she's completely content yeah that's that's the mind-blowing part because i can accept like okay fine you're quiet you're you don't have another persona to you but to not at all look awkward or like concerned yeah uncomfortable and she's just like existing yeah it's, it's fucking just like, wild this is happening so <laughs> that's so funny but anyway i just want i want to hear like how do you yeah. when you're in these kinds of situations like how do you navigate that i think i'm halfway in between i think i like because i very much i really i like i have a lot of social anxiety specifically around going places where I don't know anybody or where I only know one person and everyone else knows each other. Yeah, I I don't do that. That's my worst (laughs) fuck. Like I literally, if a friend is having a birthday party and I don't know any of their friends except for the friend whose birthday it is, I won't go. You're like, I have to really (laughs) think about this. (laughs) (laughs) Like I really hate it. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I am thrust into those situations, I'll like, you know, if someone says something funny, I'll like laugh and people might notice that I'm there Mm -hmm. or like, I have tried as I've gotten older to start like actually going up to people and introducing myself, but I really, really don't like it. No, it's painful. And you can tell when people are looking at you, talking to you and going like, I want to go talk to the other people I actually know, but but I don't know how to end the conversation. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it really sucks. So I end up like putting on this fake persona, but I'm very clearly very awkward doing it. So I'm not, (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not succeeding at my other at my other persona. <laughs> right. You, <laughs> the role in which you have placed upon yourself exactly. is not earning an Emmy. <laughs> no, it is not. I probably come off as worse and people want to talk to me less than if I had either than if I had just not said anything at all. Wild. <laughs> I mean, I just I love that because a lot of what this movie tackles and a lot of what specifically Selma Hayek's character tackles is like what do you do when you're thrust into this insane situation where you don't really know anyone and all of these things are coming out <laughs> and you and you don't agree with a lot of the things that are being said? What do you do? Like, yeah. that's the biggest question that this movie's trying to answer is like, what do you do when, like, do you take action? Do you sit there? Do, are you silent? Mm-hmm. Like, what... What do you do when the people around you are doing things that you don't agree with? Yeah. What do you do when you have knowledge to share, when you have like something to to offer and it's not quote unquote the right place to do so? Yeah. Like a lot of the times uh, Salma Hayek's character Beatrice was offering so much. These are my stories. And like, this is the village I grew up in. And like, these are the, these, this is all about me. And like, this is what I do. And I work at the cancer center and like these, like offering and offering and offering and offering, but it's obviously not the time and place or like what the, what society like deems to be the time and place. Like she was truly supposed to be just like a fly on the wall. But what happens when she like breaks down that wall and like peeks through and goes, Hey guys, like, what happens? And I love that this movie is like a fucking pressure cooker like yeah. that. It's it's kind of fucking thrilling. Like, and it's funny because it's just at dinner. Like, they're just sitting there. Yeah, and I mean, these people are so, they're made so uncomfortable by her, not just because she, I mean, partially because she's speaking up when they all expected her to just shut the fuck up. Exactly. But because she is like, and also because she's challenging them, what everything that they say, but also because like, I don't think they've ever uh, met like a genuine person in their life. Right, everyone's so fake. I think they're very like taken aback by like a genuine empath, but also like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but in situations like that, do you just like, 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 did you feel, did you feel embarrassed for her? I guess is my question That's, because I really did. I was like, oh my God, just stop, just, just stop talking, <laughs> just stop talking and everything will be fine. That is so funny because like I, and I genuinely, I hate this about myself and it's not, yeah. I wouldn't recommend having this quality to anyone because it's just making it, it makes shit worse for you. Yeah. I would just wouldn't recommend it. I'm not commending this sure. or like saying that this is a good thing. I can't not speak up when someone is saying something that I completely disagree with. I think that's honorable in a way. That I think is harmful. Sure. Like if I'm at a party and someone's like, yeah, fuck the environment. I'm like, excuse me, sir. Shut the fuck up. Like, are you serious right now? (laughs) I mean, not in as aggressive of a way. Like Mm -hmm. I'm obviously not a fool and I'm not trying to start a fight. I'm not trying to throw these hands. Yeah. But like, you know, I think it's really difficult for me to not say something mm-hmm. or to not engage, right? Like if someone's having a conversation and there's like shit being thrown and like people are like, oh, but I don't agree with this, but I don't agree with that. Like I will offer, right? Because I think that I'm just incapable of like shutting the fuck up when I know things are being said around me that like if I have any kind of power in the room, I'm able to like speak them into existence and like yeah. eliminate them from the conversation, especially if like something is like mo- like maliciously motivated or something like I'm just I'm fucking incapable of like not saying something and so does it make things really awkward? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um and I think true to that statement like Beatrice offers so much and challenges so much and it makes things 
so fucking awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and you get so much secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> well, because she's also very like intentional with everything that she says. And that's what I really like about Sama's performance is that like everything is very thought through. She's very concise, but it's also like backed by a tremendous amount of emotion. And I feel like you don't see that combination a lot. Like if someone is super fucking emotional, I feel like they're also not always speaking like the most intentionally or like always like in very controlled way but she's a weird combination of both and it's really alarming almost yeah no (laughs) which makes you go like are you crazy that is a very good point (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. that's a very good point because usually when someone is very emotional or very passionate there's no like filter yeah right to your point like there's just they just say shit and like the shit that comes out of their mouth is like it could be good or it could be bad Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you'd never know but with Selma, you're right. Like there is this like patience to her. Yeah. That is like, I'm going to wait to formulate the thoughts in my mind and then I'm going to speak out. And it doesn't matter how inconvenient the moment is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if the conversation has already passed. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if the it's already been resolved or whatever it is that we're talking about. I'm going to take it back to the place where I had a thought and I had to mull on it for a little while and then be very intentional with what I'm saying. Yeah. Which, you know, in the movie, it, it shined through as like her bringing things up at the most inopportune times, mm-hmm. like of shit that they talked about like 20 minutes ago. Yep. <laughs> Where she'll be like, remember that thing you said, here's my thought about it now. I have now formulated my thought about it. Here are my thoughts. Yep. You're a piece of trash. <laughs> like, and it, it was so funny to watch her like in her body be mm-hmm. so secure as an actor yeah, and be able to play a character that honestly takes a lot of shit. And there was like so much microaggression happening yes. by the people who were at the party to Mm -hmm. her because you know she is you know i would say like lower middle class middle class Mm -hmm. like working immigrant um who like had to learn the language she's a healer like she she does something that not a lot of people understand and so they get uncomfortable around it yeah and i think Salma being able to sort of like be still and stable within her own body, like the physicality as an actor is really invigorating. And like, it was, it was very compelling to watch her be like steady as a fucking rock during these interactions. I mean, I think all those fucking years of her being like the sexual release of films kind of did her a solid when it comes to something like this. Cause it's like, you're already secure in your body. So like, Let's focus on something else. Yeah. You know, but I mean, on that same note, it is really refreshing not to see her be the sexual release of a movie anymore. She is genuinely like the heart and the mind of this film specifically. And I really loved seeing that because you see everything like through her lens, even though you are seeing it from both sides, you're seeing it through like a very specific type of person because Beatrice is a really really specific kind of woman (laughs) yeah 100 percent. and you know there is a moment in the entire film where she really lets loose and it's (laughs) it's like halfway two-thirds of the way like i don't even know she throws the phone it's when she throws the fucking phone yeah it's you know back to the rhinoceros conversation she sees this photo of john lithgow next to the rhinoceros that he shot yeah which by the way is it is one rhinoceros rhinoceros and then is two rhinoceros also rhinoceros or is it rhinoceroses or rhinoceroses Rhin- rhinoceroses rhinoceri rhinoceroses rhinoceros all i can think of is that song that christmas song i want a hippopotamus for christmas i want a hippopotamus for christmas plural rhinoceroses also rhinoceros or rhinoceri 
All of them. Whoa! <laughs> First time I've been right ever. Yeah. So these rhinoceri. Yeah. Oh, the collective noun for a group of rhinoceroses is a crash. Okay. So when he was <laughs> when he was trying to shoot all these crash. <laughs> the crashes. The crashes. Um, so anyway, he like hunted, he followed and hunted a rhinoceros, yeah, yeah, yeah. a rhinoceros for many, <laughs> many hours. And he finally shot one, took a pic, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. look at my big dick, big dick boy. Like, look, look at me go. Yeah. Uh, she sees the photo and has a visceral reaction to it. Yep. Selma Hayek in those like 10 seconds went from, what am I looking at? What is that in his hand? oh, I can instantly feel what the rhinoceros is feeling at this moment. Ah, I am now registering that this man is an evil man. Oh my God, why am I having such a visceral reaction? Throws the phone. Yeah. So I, in that like 10 seconds of that flashing through her face, it just fucking solidified for me. I just need, I need to see more of Salma Hayek in more of these fucking movies. Yeah. That's all, that's all I'm trying to say here. Totally. That's really all I'm trying to say. Totally. I mean, I think people in general need to see this movie specifically because it is, it is really good. I really enjoyed it. Especially that fucking ending, you guys. Damn, okay. All right. <laughs> all of If this you want to watch this movie and you don't want the ending spoiled. Then do not listen to this portion. Yes, like, do not. Skip ahead it's, like- you can fucking rent this movie on Amazon. It's he did that an hour and a half. It's or a tight, eighty minutes. Yeah, it's, it's a minutes. tight eighty. It's a beautiful like. It's basically one location. She's tight. She's ready. Mm-hmm. Like we've sh- got Chloe Sevigny. We have J. Duplass, John Lithgow, Salma Hayek, obviously. Connie Brittany, you know all these bitches. The whole gang is here. The whole gang <laughs> ready to attack and snack. <laughs> So watching watching this entire movie, we sort of get to the end and there's like, I don't even know, like how would you describe it, Jessica? There is like this switch in energy of the mm-hmm. film where she's about to leave and then she turns around mm-hmm. and like takes this like letter opener that she had gotten from the- She um, walks into his office she and walks he grabs his it office off of the desk. And his being- um, the husband. The, the the wife's husband. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Who is a colleague of John Lithgow's character, Doug. Yeah. And she grabs the letter opener and like just like holds on to it. And you don't know why she's holding on to it. She mm-hmm. just has it in her hand. As she's walking out, John Lithgow's character, Doug, is on the phone. And he's like, blah. But at this point, the whole dinner party is fed up with this bitch. Like yeah. the, two, the two people who own the house that she worked for, um, like- essentially like exiled her from the party and was mm-hmm. like you can like, like you have to fucking leave you have now. to fucking leave we called you goddamn tow truck get the fuck out of our house like do, uh, leave mm-hmm. so she's been exiled she's walking out she sees him <laughs> and then what happens jessica <laughs> and then john lithgow uh hangs up the phone <laughs> and then she walks up behind him and she stabs him in the neck <laughs> and she stabs him in the and neck. she kills him and you're like, I, I legit thought that that was the ending of the movie. We stared at each other in <laughs> disbelief. Like, what is happening? Why did that happen? You're like, what a what a flip. Everyone in the, in the dinner party comes out and is like, oh my God, what happened? Mm-hmm. It's like slow motion. There's like ringing in the air. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Selma Hayek is standing there just like awestruck, but like, like content with just what she's, she's done. fucking calm. Yeah, she's calm. Yeah. And, uh, She's like walking and 
then it's like a switch. Yeah. It's like back to her in that position holding. It does this really cool shot. It like, it like rotates back on her face to make it look like she has just stood up again Mm -hmm. and she has the letter open her hand and she drops it and then leaves. And then like just clanks on the floor and you're like, Mm -hmm. whoa. And John Lithgow is still on the phone. Yeah. And in like a hundred yards or a hundred feet away from her still on the phone and was like, what the fuck? You dropped the letter opener. Like, and she just leaves. Yeah. And then she leaves, and then you think that's the end. But but no, <laughs> but, but no, but no. She makes the tow truck driver pull over, and she just walks into the. It walks into the ocean. Yeah, like if you've ever read The Awakening. Yeah, uh, it's that vibe. Like she just fucking walks. She walks into, into the, the ocean. ocean and and scene and scene <laughs> and you know throughout the film you see all these like motifs of like the water mm-hmm. and like her being in her village her homeland yeah and like being in a canoe on the water and like finding peace there mm-hmm. and like being so close to nature blah 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 so like it makes sense and also like understanding that because she's an empath she's feeling everything all at once Mm -hmm. so like it makes a lot of sense for her character to have done that and Salma Hayek's like resolve at the end when she's just kind of standing there staring at the water like sort of like solidifying her fate understanding what the fuck this character is about to go through yeah and then becoming that character and just fucking doing it Mm -hmm. like that was beautiful yeah she was just like really really in it she was just so in, in it. this role. i was like is that summer or beatrice i don't know i don't know the baby bangs really threw me off threw me off girl <laughs> so yeah highly recommend that movie i would really really recommend it i would recommend watching it with like a friend or something yeah. so that you guys can like stare at each other and, and be like the fuck yeah yeah <laughs> you need someone to go what the hell yeah. with it- it's a rather entertaining film. It's very entertaining. Yeah. I would recommend. The, the dialogue is phenomenal. Oh, very, scr- very good. The script is incredible. Bravo, Mike White. It's shot very well. The music is f- great. Yes. The like, score was beautiful. It's Mark Mothersbaugh, surprisingly. Question mark. Like, uh. and, and then again, and then to all of this, I say, why did no one watch this movie? I don't know. Why was this movie not marketed? Was this movie like not marketed? I had, li- uh, yeah. I mean, I'd never heard of it. So, so maybe. confusing. Anywho. Oh boy. Well, that's Selma. That was Selma Hayek. <laughs> gracing our eyes, gracing our ears. Yes. Well, Monica, I already told you about my dabble, which was in food poisoning. So Yikes. what is yeah. yours? My dabble is I have been, I, this is going to sound really stupid and like, why the fuck is this a dabble? What's new? But I, <laughs> I shopped the Memorial Day, Day sale on Parachute pretty extensively <laughs> did you do it after i texted you of course it? i did okay of course i did i don't read my i don't read my promotional emails okay i don't know when they're having a sale i just happened upon it by you by me so uh parachute if you don't know sponsors parachute is Can this you imagine oh my god is this like linens company it's like this home homeware uh-huh if, if you can really call it any kind of company yeah. it's like a homeware company because they don't just do like linens you they do other shit but yeah. anyway Point is, uh, I like bought a bunch of fucking sheets from them, like all linen. I bought a duvet cover. I bought mm-hmm. like, I bought slippers. Like, I'm ready. Yes, I'm going to be so ready to never leave my what bed. What color did you get? I got it in this color called like bone. Oh, yes. I was going to get the bone. I'm a big fan of the bone color. It's like warm, but still cool. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, literally don't know how colors work, but like this <laughs> shit was fire. <laughs> It was fire. I was down for it. And I can't wait for like summer to hit and me being completely unbothered because I'm in my linen sheets. 
in your fancy fancy sheets yeah um i'm always on the hunt for like a good linen set i got like the casa luna linen set from target and it was fine not my favorite i, ha- I have the duvet cover it snags very easily yeah she's not the best however i'm waiting i'm waiting on these parachute ones mm-hmm. and they're gonna change my life i just i know it i know so. it yeah <clears throat> yeah that was my double ah wonderful okay we have a question oh do we yes. have a do we have a name or is no. it or is it antonymous? Antonymous. Nobody leaves their names, but Lame. it's fine. Whatever. If you had to cook a meal for Daddy John Favreau, what would you cook and why? Bro, I feel like I would not cook alio olio. No, I would not cook anything that I know he's cooked before. Yeah, I wouldn't cook like a cubano. I wouldn't cook bread. I wouldn't cook bread. <laughs> Like that, that leaves out. What I'm trying to say is that like that leaves out so much. Yeah, I would honestly probably bust out like, like my abuela's enchilada recipe. Okay, yeah, and like do that, and then because if he hates them, I can be like, well, like you're hating a dead woman's enchiladas. Yeah, I think the move with him is to because John Favreau just loves food. Yeah. Um any kind he loves the food and he loves like the story behind food exactly. so i feel like if i did that and i'd like told him about like my abuela and like where she lived and like why she did it, blah, blah 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 whatever yeah i feel like he would be he would think the food tasted better <laughs> exactly like i um i would probably do the same i have like my family has a recipe for this like chicken and noodle dish that's fucking bomb um like a stroganoff kind of i love a stroganoff like it uses a lot of cans of various campbell soups but not diluted it it, and it makes like a sauce it's really kind of disgusting but it's delicious (laughs) that reminds me like okay and riddle me this jessica yes did you ever put weenies in your eggs no 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 salchichas no (laughs) okay my dad would make something called beanie weenies, though. Beanie, what? It's just f- baked beans with weenies in them. Oh! <laughs> I was never a fan because I don't like beans very much. I don't like baked beans. <gasps> I love a bean. I like black beans, pinto beans, like ranch style beans. I hate baked beans. Like, I don't like sweet beans. Freaks me out. Ooh, sweet beans freak you out. Do you like fruit in things? Do you like, like, fruit yeah. in food? Yeah. That's so interesting. My boss hates fruit in food. Mm. She hates like an apricot salad. That is or an, like uh, an incorrect opinion to have. I also personal. agree. Cheryl. Aaron hates fruit though, so I get it. Cheryl, I love you, but you got to start liking fruit in your thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess that's it. I guess that's it. Thanks for coming, guys. Thanks. Thanks for coming to dinner. <laughs> now we're all going to jump into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> As always, don't, don't sue us, Daddy, Daddy Favreau. Favreau. Bye, Monica. Bye, bye.